0: Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. It's Kelly Moore in for Hal. Coming up, we speak with Doug Wakabayashi of the Saskatchewan Ministry of Highways about why the Ring Road in Regina accomplishes the smooth traffic flow that the south perimeter here in Winnipeg does not. And Bill Gange, the lawyer who represented and negotiated a settlement for Luke Moneus and Norman Barkman, two of the four men switched at birth 40 years ago in Norway House. It has now been confirmed by Headingley uh, RCMP that there was a fatality. Uh, It was a 42-year-old woman uh, in that uh, uh, crash at uh, Brady and the Perimeter. It's been the subject of much conversation on this radio station uh, the past couple of days, and we were having our news meeting this morning, and you know, uh, we brought up the point: those of us who've traveled across Western Canada, well, you take Ring Road or you take Circle Drive, Ring Road through Regina, Circle Drive through Saskatoon, depending on whether you're traveling south or north, and it's it's clear sailing. Same thing when you're going through Alberta, whether it's the uh, uh, the bypass uh, through Edmonton or the bypass through Calgary, the same thing. So we thought we have to talk to somebody who knows something about those highways that can maybe explain why they were able to do that. So uh, we're now joined by Doug Wakapayashi. He is uh, with the province of Saskatchewan. He joins us from Regina this afternoon. Thank you, Doug, for doing this. No problem. So first off, I guess, let's uh, let's get your qualifications on this, just so that they're out there, if you would, please.
1: Yeah, I'm the Executive Director of uh, Communications for the Saskatchewan Ministry of Highways and Infrastructure.
0: Okay, so you're familiar with uh, uh, how the, uh, the the whole Ring Road project uh, proceeded. Uh, so let's talk about this, Doug. Uh, right from the start, uh, uh, when the Ring Road was first being constructed, uh, was the conversation about whether to have uh, lots of access to... Urban areas and maybe uh, uh, suburban areas that were just outside the city uh, uh, for this bypass. Uh, you know what all went into it.
1: Well, the the uh, the ring road in Regina was built as as um, a high speed bypass uh, around the eastern part of the city. So. Um, uh, you know, if you want to compare it to the situation in Winnipeg, um, it'll take you from the north part of the city to the south part or vice versa. Uh, However, to get all the way around the city, um, especially if you're traveling east to west, um, you still have to go through um, uh, the built-up urban parts of the the city, uh, especially one stretch. If you're approaching from the east, say you're coming from Winnipeg, um, uh, you, you have to travel down Victoria Avenue, and that gets really congested, especially at rush hour. There's a, a number of accurate intersections and traffic signals, and um, uh, relatively slow speed speed limits, you know, relative to what people be used to uh, traveling on on the Trans Canada Highway. You're talking about 50, 60 kilometers an hour in most spots. Um, one of the things we have done is because the the ring road was built um, in largely built in the 1970s, and uh, the city's seen a lot of growth. Um, in that amount of time, and uh, one of the areas where the city's really growing is um, the suburban, like the, the bedroom communities east of the city as well. And what we were seeing over the last number of years was as those cities grew there was an awful lot of traffic going onto the trans canada highway especially at rush hour and um uh, similar to the situation we were talking about over the last number of years there were a number of uh serious collisions at the intersections on that section of the trans canada highway um you know many resulting in fatalities so one of the things we've done um uh, as well as we embarked on construction of the new uh, regina bypass um which will allow uh um, you know through through traffic, especially to to circumnavigate the city, uh, um in, uh, with free flow of traffic and no traffic signals.
0: Will that access be right in the vicinity of White City?
1: Uh, it'll start east of White City, actually, closer towards Balgonie.
0: Okay, yeah, but but still, uh, I guess the the big comparison here, Doug, and I don't know how uh, much you had to do with Circle Drive in Saskatoon, rather, but why are you able to have these high speed thoroughfares? Without lights and uh, and and so that people can maintain uh, a regular speed.
1: Well, I think um, uh, you know it, it. It gets down to uh, what level of service you're you're looking to provide uh, uh, when you design and build these things. One one of these things I can tell you, um, and it it. it um, you know, was an issue back in the 70s when the planning was done for the uh, ring road in Regina, and uh, especially an issue with the new Regina bypass is uh, identifying routes and locations for for this sort of in- infrastructure. Um, is a very difficult process and a very timely process. For example, um, we broke ground on the Regina by- bypass in 2015, and that was the culmination of, of planning efforts that go all the way back to the early 1990s. Um, you know, things like grade separated interchanges and service roads and things like that. Um, conceptually sound like a great idea to everybody but when you get down to the planning there is a lot of impact on existing um, property and landowners and land uses and significant changes to existing traffic patterns that uh, uh, need to be planned around Um, also um, you know to be frank funding is a very significant issue and and how you're gonna um, construct this as well for example the Regina Bypass um, The provincial government uh, made the decision to pursue this project as a private-public partnership um, to complete it in the same time frame uh, that we do with traditional procurement for construction uh, projects. You know, either we would have had to construct this over 10 years or longer or um, run the risk of squeezing out investment elsewhere in the provincial highway system.
0: Right. So what, what was the final price tag for that, Doug?
1: Uh, for this one, this is a little bit different because it's a P3, so it includes not just the construction, but also financing and operations, maintenance, and rehabilitation of all the infrastructure for for a period of, four, of uh, thirty years. So it's one uh, point um, eight billion.
0: So where it is now, uh, and as you mentioned, you know, you first started talking about this in the early nineties. Well, you know. Th- the The city had not expanded that far east at that time. So how far more expansion to the east of the city do you anticipate the next, say, fifteen to twenty years where all of a sudden, you know now 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 we've got more traffic jams even further east of the access to the Regina bypass. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we, the the infrastructure is part of the Regina Bypass because a fair bit of the uh, the new infrastructure is south of the city as well and west. So it, it's designed to accommodate traffic volumes that are projected out for 40 years.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, and, and have you found, I, I don't know if it's been open long enough to even make a statement, but have you found that uh, uh, there has been a decrease in those severe and sometimes fatal collisions as a result of this?
1: yeah so um we're we're completing the bypass in two phases and the uh uh the first phase um uh was open last year, and that included uh uh interchanges east of the city so the access to the bedroom communities i was talking about before um there's no longer accurate intersections on highway one east of the city um and you know um uh I think engineers would tell you that um you know, 10 months of of, uh, of of traffic operations is a little soon to draw firm conclusions. Yeah. But certainly the feedback we've received from the municipal governments in that area, from area residents, and uh, also the RCMP that's responsible for um, enforcing traffic laws on, on that section of highway has been very positive.
0: How much more did it cost to be able to build this so that the traffic could flow Freely, because that's the one thing that uh, always gets talked about with the perimeter here, Doug, is that, well, you know, it's, it's so cost prohibitive uh, to build overpasses and clover leaves and whatnot. How much did that add to the price tag for Ring Road and the Regina Bypass?
1: Well, it's a little difficult to say because, like for example, the the new bypass it was it was bid as a P3, so it's difficult to isolate out specific components of the project. But uh, what I can tell you is based on our historical construction costs, depending on how complex the um, uh, the intersection is and connecting roadworks and ramps and things like that. You know, they they can go from um, you know thirty to forty million uh, for a basic interchange. Um, to um, you know, over 100 million for uh, what's referred to as a systems interchange, which are like the, the tiered interchanges that you see on uh, frequently around uh, major urban centers that allows highway to highway connections at at you know 100 kilometers an hour or so.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> we're talking about a pretty healthy price tag here.
1: Yeah, and the other thing too is. Um, Uh, that adds complexity too, especially as you get closer to uh, built-up urban areas and cities in particular, is interchanges do have large footprints. They require lots of land, and so um, quite frequently um, you're looking at buying land that's already occupied or being used for something, and often that leads to things like expropriation. Um, The other thing too is uh, a standard rule of thumb in in roadway design is you know to prevent weaving and and conflicts between traffic entering a freeway and exiting a freeway is really the minimum desirable spacing between interchanges is about five miles Um, so uh, um, the location of where you put interchanges uh, can become quite contentious in the the planning phase Um, the other thing too is as you limit um, access to a highway to points where there are interchanges um, that requires a network of service roads then to connect the interchange points so you can service land in between the interchanges. Um, planning for those can be contentious as well. And, and the other thing, too, is, is you know, for example, there's, there is sometimes a significant impact on residences and businesses because, for example, in the Planning Regina bypass, there are some instances where people used to have direct access on Highway 1 and now they're having to backtrack, you know, a mile, a mile and a half, or sorry, half a mile to a mile to, to get onto Highway 1.
0: Understood, but uh, again, you know, the, the whole idea is to keep the traffic flow flowing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That's, but, a, uh, that, that's again, an inconvenience in the, in the planning, you have to live with. Yeah, in, in the planning, you do have to be sensitive to those yeah. concerns and, and try yeah. to mitigate the negative impacts as much as you possibly can.
0: We're also going to talk uh, right now with the man who represented uh, Luke Monias and Norman Barkman. Uh, The news came out yesterday that uh, these two gentlemen have received a settlement uh, after being switched at birth uh, in Norway House. Uh, There was an investigation. No wrongdoing was found. But obviously, maybe no wrongdoing was, was found, but wrong was done to these gentlemen. And so Bill Gange, uh, their lawyer, is joining us now. Bill, thank you for doing this. I know you're a little bit under the weather, so uh, much appreciated. Thank you, Kelly. So let's let's talk a little bit about this process, and we're going to put it right out front. Okay? Your clients have asked, and we have to respect that, that the amount of the settlement not be disclosed, and uh, the government has also said they're not going to disclose that amount. So if anybody's wondering, we're not going there. Uh, so, Bill, but let's talk about the negotiations with the government, though, because uh, I'm kind of curious as to whether they were nice and smooth and uh, everything was easy, or whether you really had to uh, pound the gavel a couple of times and grind it out.
2: Kelly, the the, the negotiation process um, was, um, from my perspective, um, very professionally handled. Um, the the uh, government um, recognised that there had been a terrible mistake that had been made with respect to uh, the hospital at Norway House, and um, I think that they were they were touched by the effect upon the men and the families, and not only the Monius and Barkman family, but the uh, Tate and Swanson families from from Norway House as well, and um, the the government lawyers uh, that were involved in this um, acted very professionally. Um, the I, I think that the minister uh, involved uh, did a great job and and uh, it seemed to me gave, um, gave gave a direction to to make sure that this case got settled and so. Um, we had a disagreement as to the value of, of the claim, but you know that happens on every single case. My job as, as lawyer for the families um, was to attempt to maximize the monetary compensation that they would receive and the, um, and the ongoing assistance um, that they would receive uh, from psychological supports and medical supports Um, And the government's job was to make sure that uh, the public purse was uh, protected as well. And and at the end of the day, I think that the settlement was um, very uh, well appreciated by the families. And um, so we were quite happy with the way that that, uh, the settlement went. It went went a little bit longer than I would have wanted to, uh, but that's not an unusual process when... You have to get uh, uh, instructions from as many people as I did and when you're negotiating with, uh, with, with government departments.
0: It's interesting, Bill, that you would say that because uh, you and I spoke right around this time a year ago uh, when did. you were just beginning the legal process. And to me, a year uh, in, in these types of matters... Would be best to, to to reach a settlement after a year. Would be to do it in rapier like fashion to steal a, a Danny Galavanism. <laughs> uh,
2: w- yes. And now, it, I had been acting prior to that, prior to the release of the investigation report. But we had to put together the the medical evidence of the effect upon the families, um, um, the government. Um, uh, has assisted uh, greatly in terms of uh, making sure that the men and their families received uh, psychological assistance as required. And, um, and, and then once we had that, uh, there wasn't – once we had that information, the goal of all of the parties was to, to attempt to, to resolve the matter so that the families could move forward in their lives.
0: So, Bill, you had mentioned that there were four gentlemen that were involved in this process initially who you were representing. Luke Monias and Norman Barkman, who you were able to achieve the settlement for. David Tate Jr. and Leon Swanson uh, are now represented by uh, another lawyer. And this goes back to, what, uh, late 2017, December, early January? That's correct. Okay. So... In this instance, then, because these two gentlemen have not settled yet, uh, does their lawyer consult with you at all about the amount? Because this is this is a precedent-setting situation here in Canada, as far as I know.
2: Well, it, it, yes. So it, 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 you're right, Kelly. It is a. It, it, it's. It's. There's never been a lawsuit um, based on a switched at birth in Canada. So. Um, it, that that's part of the difficulty of of attempting to resolve something like this. So you'd, um, what is it worth? Um, but in terms of of would uh, Mr. Tate and Mr. Swanson's uh, new lawyer uh, have an ability to talk to me? The answer is no. Um, the the settlement is is pursuant to a confidentiality agreement uh, that that um, that my clients are bound by and that I'm bound by.
0: Right, so, so therefore, then they're, for want of a better term, they're they're kind of on their own in this, uh, uh, because uh, as we mentioned, you know sometimes in these settlement cases, Bill, you can say, well, in so and so versus so and so, this amount of money was awarded, so we're going to use that as the template in going forward. Uh, but and I guess in, in essence there has been, but it's been in other countries uh, like the United States and you were saying Russia and and I forget who else it was France, that you mentioned
2: France and sure. France yeah 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 there are there there have been instances um, of of switched at birth situations in in various countries um, in in Europe and in the United States there's several very famous ones in the United States but they aren't really of much assistance because their judicial system is so significantly different. So, um that's that's part of the the process here is uh, that 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 made it somewhat difficult is to say, well, what would be fair in the Canadian judicial system.
0: So, if you had to do this all over again, uh, considering the historic circumstances of this case, Bill, uh, would you take another one of these on?
2: Oh, absolutely! Um, I mean, first of all, the 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 four families that I represented are wonderful people. That uh, the, the um, Manias family, the Barkman family, the Tate family, the Swanson family um, wonderful people. I have visited with all of them uh, at Garden Hill First Nation and at, at Norrie House um, uh, First First Nation. Uh, they, so I've made um, some what I consider to be um, really wonderful friendships uh, with those people, and um, and 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 I, I think that they were appreciative of uh, the end result, and so um, no, I'd, I'd I, I I I would hope that something like this doesn't arise again. Yes. Um, but but um, it was a very fascinating and, and um, intellectually challenging case.
0: Just before we let you go, Bill, uh, I've just received a text inquiry here, and and I think this is a, a, a fair question to ask, and I'm pretty sure uh, you'd feel comfortable in giving the answer, but this gentleman asks if our tax dollars were involved in the settlement with these gentlemen, uh, then uh, why is it not our right as citizens to know how much they were paid? But... Uh, I think there there are some circumstances where uh, and, and this is me saying this uh, where I, I I think that you have to respect the privacy of individuals. would that be fair to say
2: that that's correct uh, kelly the the all of these families were affected um, i mean anybody who has been a parent um, must listen to this story and say that, that it is unimaginable um, that you raised a, a child, and you love that child, and um, but but you find out that it wasn't your child, and 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 there's another child out there um, who is your child that you didn't get the opportunity to raise. Um, so it, it it is in many ways heartbreaking. Yes, these are tax dollars um, uh, that that uh, uh, funded this settlement. But at the same time, there's lots of situations where um, where, where settlements are are achieved that aren't uh, disclosed in terms of the values um, the, the there, there was very significant negotiation uh, the government lawyers did an excellent job in in, in protecting um, their situ- their client and um, I like to think that I did uh, a pretty good job at protecting my class.
0: Bill Gange, the uh, lawyer for Luke Manias and Norman Barkman, just before we let you go, how are these two gentlemen doing? I think that's the most important question I can ask uh, to end this interview.
2: Quite well. Quite well. And and they, um, they, they're moving forward with their lives. Um, they've got plans in terms of of um, what they're going to do moving forward. And, um, well, they're both wonderful men and, and with wonderful families.
0: Bill Gantz, thank you very much for this, and I hope you get feeling better very, very soon.
2: <laughs> Thanks, Kelly. See you. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.